How's it going, y'all? It's your host, Alyssa Quiles, and you're listening to Next Big Thing. January is finally ending. I don't know about y'all, but if 2021 feels as long as this month did, I don't know what I'm going to do. But enough of that. We've got an interview for you. A couple weeks ago, I got on a call with Jocelyn McKenzie. With string-infused tracks and ethereal harmonies, Jocelyn is redefining pop in beautiful ways. Stay tuned to hear about her latest LP, which just dropped today, by the way, the divine influence behind her music, and how for her, being an artist is about so much more than what she makes. And heard the oxen braying. What made you want to pursue music? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, when I was a little girl, MTV was just starting out. And back then, they only played music videos. So it was a channel of just music videos all day, all the time. And I was obsessed with it. And both of my parents are also really big music fans. Um, my dad is a musician, but, um, you know, my, my parents just both love music. So we had all kinds of music going on in the house all the time. So I don't know that it was really a choice so much as something that just felt like a calling. But I remember being seven years old and seeing Cindy Lauper on MTV and going, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's who I want to be when I grow up. Uh, and so far, so good. Oh, nice. All right. So like your music, um, it features a lot of strings, synths, you know, it's very pop. Uh, but there is something underneath that I can't quite lock down. Um, how did you discover your sound? I feel like I'm always in the process of discovering my sound. But for Push, which is the album I'm about to release on Righteous Babe, um, that came from just this really like divine inspiration of really feeling passionate about making an entire album for string quartet and beats. And um, I don't know that I would do it again, <laughs> you know, um, based on... Uh, I mean, it was a labor of love for sure. And I'm so, so thrilled with how all these songs came out. But most of them were written on ukulele, um, which is the only instrument I kind of sort of know how to play. I don't really consider myself an instrumentalist. So I would love to continue to explore new sounds. So whenever I do another record, whatever divine inspiration strikes for that, that's what I'll do. I don't really want to stay limited to, oh, and now I only use strings or I only use ukulele. It's like whatever it calls for, that's what I'll do. Um, so we'll see what happens. And thankfully, I know an incredible amount of really talented people that I can bring in. And that was one of the most fun parts about Push was that all the string arrangements were done by different composers. Oh, wow. um, and I really just wanted them to do whatever they wanted and, and bring back the arrangements to me with their kind of voice and stamp put on it. So everybody brought back something completely different and the music wouldn't be what it is without their input. So that's also what I think about my sound is that I want it to be very collaborative and and co-created with other musicians. Okay, nice. Yeah, so let's talk about Push a little bit. You know, um, by the time this episode airs, you'll have just dropped the date, your debut LP. Uh, Yeah, so what was that experience like? You know, what were the difficulties that went into creating it? What were some of the re- more rewarding uh, parts of the uh, recording and like just creating, writing the album? Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you, the most rewarding part of it was actually 
finally the day that we finished recording the strings because mm -hmm. push actually took five years to finish wow. um i had been working on it for a really long time and not i mean it was not because i wasn't doing other things at the time um you know it, it kind of started off from like a, a life transition where i had like a lot of big changes happening at once like you know i got divorced i, I lost my job i like you know, was homeless for a little while. <laughs> it was like kind of this whole thing. So then, you know, I had just some some life to kind of sort out. Um, thankfully, I had a lot of places to stay. I was not uh, without for long. But, um, you know, it was, it was a tumultuous time. So all that is to say that, like, I had a huge bank of content to pull from that I had been writing. Like, the oldest song on Push is The Brave Ones, and that one had been written 12 years uh, from, like, now. So... Yeah. You know, they say that you have your whole life to make your first album. Yeah. And I've really kind of taken that to heart and said like, okay, this one, this one, this one, and kind of cobbled them all together. But then the process of actually creating it, because I don't know how to arrange for strings, and I was working with all of these collaborators, I was really going on, well, is this person free? Is this person interested? Have I saved up enough money? So I was funding this whole thing myself the whole time. So I would like, get a job, put some money in the bank, you know, like, oh, now I have enough to pay the arrangers. Okay, now I'm going to move to this section. So it was really like, very slow and steady, like tortoise in the hair, absolute like tortoise style of creating. And in the yeah. meantime, you know, I was kept writing other songs. So now I feel lucky that I have a huge bank of songs that I've written since I started making push that haven't seen the light of day yet. You know what I mean? Because it's been yeah. so long. So once I finally got into the studio and my co-producer, Sam McCormley, um, one of the inspirations to actually finally get started recording was that he called me we've been working on it for so many years and he called me and he said, Oh, by the way, my, my wife is expecting our second baby. <laughs> and I was like, Sam, he lives in DC. I was like, you got to come to New York. Um, this was last summer in, in 2019. Uh, I was like, I gotta, I'm putting you on a bus. You're coming to New York because we have to record these strings before your wife gives birth. <laughs> so um, his daughter inspired, uh, you know, the timeline to kind of get rolling. And after so many years, we finished recording the strings in, two days oh wow it was amazing and it was in a, a beautiful studio chamber of commerce studios in my neighborhood um run by adam schatz who's an am amazing artist and he did one of the string arrangements so it was just such like an intimate experience to like see all these years of work mm -hmm. finally like whoop, and then just two days later it's like now we have strings it's like oh my god this is real um because it's a pretty you know ambitious idea to, to do a whole album of strings, especially yeah. when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so I was happy that it worked out. Um, and yeah, and then it was, you know, an amazing process to record the vocals. I worked with um, Dan Brennan, is my vocal engineer, and he's based out of Soundtrack Studios in New York City. And he's been a longtime friend of mine for, you know, 15 years or something. And so I love working with Dan because he just like, he's so good at, no one else so far that I've ever met has done this for me as a vocal engineer. He's so good at pulling out performances from me, you know? So I'll do, I'll sing a pass and then he'll go, okay, sure. But what if, you know, you sang that one like under a moon and you imagine yourself like on a moonlit beach and you know, the person that you loved, I like, just left and then I'll sing it again. And like, he's just so good at like, really nuancing these notes that just gets me there, you know? So I was just so proud of um, the vocal coaching that I got from him. And um, and we actually ended up finished recording the vocals, I think about a week before we got into lockdown. 
Oh, so the timing on this whole album has just been completely divine, like totally divinely inspired. So it's been very, very rewarding, but uh, a patient process. I was gonna ask, like, how has the has the pandemic, you know, affected since you record since you finished recording, like, right before the uh, lockdown? Like, has the pandemic affected the release of this at all? Honestly, I actually think that it helped because you know we were in lockdown when we started the mixing process, and my mixing engineer in India and Isa, he's in LA, so we were going to be working remotely anyway. And what it did was it, it kind of forced me into some going in time, you know, mm-hmm. and reflective time, whereas I'm, I'm very active. Like I always want to be like out there doing stuff, doing stuff. Um, but being in the mixing process where I'm mostly just listening mm-hmm. and giving feedback and listening and giving feedback, um, it was a really good time for that. And it actually also allowed me to create several music videos in quarantine. So better, mm-hmm. which I released, uh, at the end of last year and then mango leather uh which is more recent and that one was shot just in my bathroom in quarantine so i've been able to be really really blessed with how productive it's been and um you know getting to connect with ani and righteous babe in that time you know so it's it's really been a blessing in so many ways that's good to hear that you know despite everything <laughs> it still had like a positive effect on I know personally it also had a positive effect on me with personal growth. So yeah. nice to hear for like musicians yeah. and artists that it worked out for y'all too. Thanks. I'm glad to hear that for you too. Cause I think it's, it's hard because like, I think it's been really hard for people to talk about the good things that have come out of this yeah. year because there is so much tragedy in so many different ways. And like, if we don't also count the, the gifts and count the good stuff, um, we're not actually telling the truth. Yeah. No, and I think it's important to be brave about the, the good stuff because there has been a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the hard stuff has been super hard and the good stuff has been amazing. <laughs> you know, so I feel really lucky. Yeah. like you you're also a psychic, a psychic medium so how and you're, like you're using these words about like like divine you know divine everything like that so how does that influence your music uh and art at all well that's like something that before i even knew i'm a, a medium hmm. i was always like hearing melodies and hearing songs and you hear a lot of artists talk about it like that like they'll say like oh i channeled it or it existed outside of me and i just kind of was the vessel for it mm-hmm. um not i don't know that every artist who feels that way would identify as a psychic and that's whatever works for everybody is great um but for me it really was a form of claire audience so we hear a lot about clairvoyance right so like mm-hmm. oh i saw a vision right like claire uh, voyance vision mm-hmm. um but claire audience like spiritual or clear hearing is also a thing you know um so is like Claire sentience where it's like oh I just know something right um like I just know I should bring an umbrella today and there's like not a cloud in the sky and then at like five o'clock boom there comes the rain you know um we have those experiences all the time I just think we don't really talk about it and we don't normalize it I guess um so my art and music has always really been influenced by my heightened senses I'll say 
you know, and then, and that's, that's kind of the psychic part of that term, psychic medium, where you're dealing with senses beyond your physical senses, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like sixth sense, right? And so then what mediumship does is it connects, it uses those extra senses or, you know, extended senses to connect the physical world with spirit realms. So for me, that process has been really organic and intuitive. And like, once I realized that I'm a medium, my art and my music totally made sense to me. I was yeah. like, because for years I was like, I'm always doing these things. Like, I guess I just do it. I don't really know. And then I was like, oh yeah. Like I finally made sense to myself, you know, um, which is maybe an interesting thing to think about considering that it maybe complicates things also. But um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just all really like works together in this really beautiful harmony for me of, you know, being able to, see and hear and witness and mm -hmm. absorb and observe things and then kind of process them through my own filter or I think of it as like a prism mm -hmm. right like spirit information comes in like light mm -hmm. and then myself my body or my mind or my hands is, is like a prism and then my music or my art that comes out becomes so, the rainbow yeah. so whatever that looks like so that's kind of how it feels to me Okay. Is that, if that makes any sense. Yes, I got you. That's that's so cool. You, you could be doing a million other things in the world. Why music? Whoa. Why not? Why not music? Um, okay, I'm going to give you maybe a little bit of a wacky answer. <laughs> um, so I feel pretty comfortable being wacky, but it's funny, like quarantine has, has made me feel socially awkward in totally new ways. So bear with me. Um, one of the things I love about music, and this certainly goes for live performances particularly, but this is true even if we can't be in the same space. Um, it allows me to exist outside of my body. And it allows me to connect with other people without actually being present mm -hmm. or being in the room. And what I mean by that is very literal. So it's like, you could think of that and it's true that it's, you know, that's kind of an ephemeral thing to talk about. But the actual reality also is that when I'm like, even now, like you're speaking, you're, the sound of your voice is going through a microphone, coming out the other end in my room. And those sound waves are hitting my eardrums and <laughs> physically touching me and moving my physical eardrums. And so you are becoming a part of me and I'm becoming a part of you. Mm -hmm. So we're connecting in a way, and so that what music does, and it, it just to elevate it from just speaking to one another, is that we can hit on frequencies and vibrations that we can't hit just with speech. And also that words mean something different when we sing them, right? Or you can sing a melody without any words and we know what it means, right? Like if I go like, you can go like, oh, she's feeling like wistful or, yeah. oh, how nice. Like there's a little bird about to land on her shoulder, right? But if I'm like, then you know, like, oh, she's angry, right? So it's, it's a, a beautiful way of communicating. We touch each other without touching and mm -hmm. we can feel each other's feelings, you know? So it's really like I can be bigger than myself. I can take up more space yeah. on this planet. And, and I'm actually invited to do that. You know, I think particularly for women, you know, we, we get in this role of make sure everyone else is around you, around you is okay before you speak up or before you ask for 
you know, don't take seconds, you know, like, don't be the first person in line at the buffet, you know, like, make sure like, there's all these kind of unspoken, and sometimes very loudly spoken rules that we have. Um, and what music does is, is it allows me to go like, oh, when you press play on my album, or when you show up to my show, or, you know, you know, say, oh, I want to watch this YouTube video, you're inviting yourself to connect with me. And then I'm inviting myself to connect with you by putting it out there. Yeah. It's this like infinity symbol of connection that we get. And I get to travel the world. Like if, if I am my music, which I am, like I've been to Japan, I've been to Finland, I've been to New Mexico, right? I've been to all these places that like I've never been. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an incredible means of like space time travel, right? Because it also exists over time. Like after I'm dead, these songs will still be around and mm -hmm. somebody else can play them. And then it'll mean that their vibrations get put into it, you know? So it's like, like I love hearing people doing covers of my songs because I'm like, yes, like now it means something even bigger. Make sure you're following Jocelyn on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn McKenzie, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-M-C-K-N-Z. And check out her debut full-length Push, out now via Righteous Babe Records. Keep up with future episodes of Next Big Thing and any of our news by giving us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MBThingPodcast. And check out our website at NextBigThingPodcast.com. Speaking of news, I want to add in that I'm looking for an editor slash co-host. Love discovering new music? Hit us up and let's talk about you joining the team. Know an artist who would like to be featured on the show? Shoot us an email at nextbigthing.podcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Twitter at Alyssa Quill, A-L-Y-S-S-A-Q-U-I-L. I'll catch y'all later. Featured tracks today include The Brave Ones and Mango Leather. Big thanks to Jocelyn McKenzie and Righteous Babe Records for allowing us to share.